Hi everybody, um, my name is James Dobbin. I, I head up financial and professional services at Procurement Heads and I'm fortunate to be here today with um, Alexi Burns who um, heads up the procurement function at Castle Trust Bank. Um, Alexi and I were very fortunate to, well I was fortunate to work with Alexi recently. Um, I actually placed him into uh, to what was at the time very much a greenfield function so uh, welcome Alexi. Thanks James, yeah good to, good to be here, nice to talk to you again, all, all, always is. Um, yeah, it's it's been um, a tremendous kind of five months, actually, if I think about um, the sort of journey so far at Castle Trust, which I'm sure we'll talk um, a bit about over the course of the next half an hour or so. Absolutely. But before we get into that, it'd be great just to understand for the audience, um, how did you get into procurement, Alexi? Because you were from um, more of a te technology background beforehand, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was. So... Um, so, so yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, I guess really, if I think about the my sort of way in, which I think is like a in, really interesting conversation point, if we think about the different ways that people can come into procurement, I think that's probably a, it's a kind of byproduct of being a function that has lots of different sides to it. Um, but I, I guess it was really from a, like a vendor management perspective is kind of how I crept in through the procurement back door. So, um, so I was working as an engineer in the unified communication space, um, and there was a um, there was an element of vendor management that that was needed in that role. Just just the way in which the organisation was kind of laid out, and for me it was it was a kind of almost a novelty at first, and actually then it became um, a little bit more work. And, and actually I found it like tremendously rewarding when we were coming to um, activities or conversations that were kind of beneficial for both parties. I found that like, I think it's quite natural to do so, but it was quite a fulfilling kind of way to spend my time. So so I thought a bit about it and then and then that eventually kind of organically grew as the organization changed and grew. Um, we effectively through some acquisitions um, came the came to the conclusion that actually a procurement function in of itself was a was was something that we needed to do as a company. So so I was lucky enough to be in that position where I was already starting to go down that road and then and then it kind of snowballed from there really. So so that was my way into procurement. Um, which I think is probably quite quite common. Um, I think if we think about like direct learning pathways into procurement, actually it's it's always going to be the case that people kind of excuse the cliche fall into it um, purely because of the lack of kind of direct learning pathways into it. Fantastic. And are there any successes um, at this point in your career that you're particularly proud of? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose there is. I think that if I think about like successes that I'm really proud of, I think if you're part of a procurement team, mm. I think you 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 know you have lots of little wins and you're on the bus and you're you know you're moving in the direction of that 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 procurement team. But I think as a like kind of leader or someone that's accountable for the function, there's a realization that you you're never going to win it on your own. And actually, for me, defining a strategy or a purpose or a mission statement is fantastic. And, and it's obviously very important to be um, credible in the way in which you go about doing that and to get the right type of buy-in at the organisation. But success, I think I'm most proud of is seeing um, kind of my team buy into that and then sort of own that themselves and then watch this kind of, you know, 
this scene grow and grow into something that that kind of has arms and legs and evolves into into something that may may be much different to to what it started out to be. So I think for, from a success perspective, that's kind of what I'm most proud of is actually seeing people kind of buy into um, the strategy and then kind of take ownership and be passionate about it themselves. And fast forwarding to your current role, which um, hopefully in the way I positioned it to you has materialised in the way that you'd expected. Um, how's it been heading up a procurement function in a in a sort of, you know, greenfield procurement function in a, in a fintech sort of challenger bank? How has how's that journey been over the last five months? Yeah, look, I mean, it's been, um, you know, eyes wide open. It's certainly been fast paced. It's been fast paced and it's been exciting. Um, but actually it's been... Um, it's been really good in the, in in the sense that um, procurement's role is 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 well understood by the bank. And actually, if we think about the kind of core domains that procurement plays in, um, fundamentally they're, they're they're understood and accepted actually. And and we have a lot of advocates within the firm that understand the value that can, procurement can bring. So um, I think that's that's fantastic. And then I think it's a case of really building um, on top of that. Um, and underpinning it with a strategy that makes sense, both in terms of a people perspective and then a process and technology perspective, but but also making sure that we're allowing the business to grow in the speed at which it needs to grow. Um, so there's kind of, you know, there's two parts to it, I suppose. There's the functional strategy and how we move procurement forwards and how we kind of move the dial. Um, and, and then there's the piece around actually facilitating acting as a facilitator for the business to allow them to move at pace and the pace that they, they want to move so um yeah it's been a really interesting five months actually i think we've made some really really good progress that we're now looking to build on throughout the rest of the year what's it like reporting into technology um because usually it's, it's more traditionally sort of finance or, or ops isn't it but but you you, you very much report into tech don't you yeah, well, interestingly, so 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 I, I actually report into the CTOO. So he actually has two hats. So he's the he's the CTO, but then there's also um, the operational element as well. And I think um, I think we're very technology centric as a bank. Um, I think that's very deliberate. And if I think about kind of where we are really pushing the boundaries from in the fintech space and really trying to kind of push the envelope as to what's possible for for where we are um i think that technology is a massive enabler of that so being at the heart of that and and being part of um the senior management team for the bank as a whole it's fantastic but then being on the leadership team from a technology perspective is really really good as well right because we're really really close to the action um, and, it, and it allows us to kind of make sure that we're delivering value in all of the right areas. So, um, yeah, I think from a, you know, from a personal perspective, it's it's really interesting. I think historically I've worked in organisations where actually we've sat in different places, whether that be finance, um, whether that be operations or, or whether that even be HR. So to, to, to kind of sit in the space that I'm now at is, again, it's, 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 it's another lens to look, thing, look at things through. So, um, yeah, I, I found it quite interesting and it, it's, it's kind of giving me some new insights that maybe I hadn't had before. What aspects of your role do you, do you both love and, and equally find quite challenging? Um, I think that's a good question. I, I think something that I kind of 
have a disdain for but then love for in equal measure is probably the kind of the cyclical nature of procurement I think probably of business in general as well I think it's like a concept that scales up and scales down if you think about the doing the do within procurement and we, we might think of you know uh, a, a stakeholder or, or, or a category or a business requirement that 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 has a you know there is a beginning there's a middle and an end to it and then we think about you know our supply base and our contracts that we that we have within that supply base everything's cyclical right so you might have a contract that's one years or three years or five years um, and and I think the challenge is you've got to try and kind of marry those things together to make sure that within that cycle that contract life cycle you can fulfill all of those different business requirements across your different stakeholder map um, the concept scales if we think about like functional strategies again it's the same type of thing right you might have a functional strategy that is kind of on paper two or three or four even five years in its duration and you might have a technology strategy that complements that functional strategy um that, that that that's cyclical but actually people don't work necessarily in the same way so if you have a management team that sign off on a strategy and, and, and implement that strategy um, and it's a you know it's a three-year exercise if that management team is phased out or through natural attrition changes over the course of you know one to two years you've got a challenge there right because you have a cycle that's midway through and then you're coming in and I think you can get kind of opportunity um, or, or kind of risk in equal measure um, as part of that. And I think for me, that's something that I love and find challenging because we're kind of, we're always working in and amongst all of these different cycles and you're trying to find the sweet spot um, to, to operate within, which I find is, um, you know, sometimes I think you, you, you end up with a kind of square peg in a round hole uh, or sometimes everything seems to come together and it's this kind of sweet symphony for a, for a time. So, so obviously you're, you're working in a greenfield role at the moment um, in one of the fastest growing sectors in the UK. I imagine you probably have to wear many hats um, on, on any given day. What does a typical working day look like for you? Um, a typical working day? I mean, I think there is a typical working day at the moment, and that's because we're being um, kind of very deliberate in how structured we're trying to be. We, we've got a you know a number of initiatives in flight that that um, are part of our kind of strategy and actually it's important that we are measuring ourselves against our progress on a very kind of regular basis so we do have kind of daily team check-ins at the moment so so for me a typical day would be that team check-in um, to look at across our different initiatives you know what are our key kind of uh, activities for that day you know what blockers do we have which might potentially kind of cause an issue with 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 some of the outcomes that we're looking to deliver um, and then I think there's a piece on a on a daily basis that, that that I'm taking a lot of time on at the moment is around our kind of supply base to actually nurture our supply base I think that we've grown very rapidly as an organization and actually as as part of that we, we've developed lots and lots of relationships with lots and lots of different suppliers and really where we are at the moment we really need to nurture our supply base and we really need to kind of move up that maturity curve very quickly in terms of understanding our supply base and having those right type of engagements with our suppliers. So um, so that's something that we're spending a lot of time on at the moment. So typically on a day-to-day -day basis, I'll, I'll be spending some time on that. And, and then I guess it's kind of 
there's two parts to it really there's 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 the piece for myself around from a functional ownership perspective trying to push the envelope for procurement and really try and kind of sell the story and talk a lot about what procurement can offer within the organization um, to to kind of foster those right types of relationships because we are at the moment still in this kind of embryonic stage where we have real opportunity to kind of land ourselves quite far up in terms of um, where, where we sit. So so that's something that, that, that I, I'll be spending time on. And then I guess finally, there's the piece around um, the bank as a whole. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to sit on the um, senior management team for the bank. So there, there are, you know, lots of activities and responsibilities that come along with that. So part of my day will be spent on on that really trying to kind of help progress the company more widely um and 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 there's all sorts of things that that we do as part of that so um yeah i think a typical day is, is quite structured at the moment and i and i think that we're kind of um we're we're, we're seeing that paying dividends actually in in some of the progress that we've made over quite quite a short space of time fantastic great answer and just in in terms of um all of our in interactions over the last kind of six months, Alexi, I've always found you quite forward-looking as a procurement professional. And I recall we had a, a really great chat in person about the kind of future trends in procurement and future job roles that we might see. Um, do you want to just talk about that a little, little bit in terms of what you're seeing? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's look, I think it's something that people have spoken about for a long, long time, certainly as long as I've been in procurement, right? So and um, we, we 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 talk about procurement's kind of value proposition and we talk about you know the 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 kind of core skills and capabilities that are needed within a procurement function and we've been through this kind of iterative journey of of trying to kind of release ourselves from the shackles of some of the more administrative type things to move to this kind of more digitally led kind of strategic advisor that, that, that have um, a whole host of really exciting and intelligent kind of capabilities that can deliver value to the to to the organization now if I think where we are now I think procurement is becoming more technology centric so I think it's less kind of anecdotal now and it's more that we're seeing that on a day-to-day -day basis um, we can talk about all sorts of examples where um, procurement is kind of really stepped up to the plate from a from a technology perspective and then as part of that they have evolved and adapted as an organization or, or as a function when technology was first kind of came about i mean clearly technology has been used in some shape or form for a long long time in the procurement but but actually technology was implemented around traditional procurement teams and those traditional procurement teams would kind of wrestle with that technology to try and make it work for them and that's absolutely natural but I think that time's kind of moved on a bit more now and and actually through organizational changes and natural attrition it's allowed teams um, to kind of restructure and build teams with technology in mind so that kind of technology first approach because it's been some time now and again we talked about the cyclical nature of things earlier if we think about the way and the movement in which cycles tend to work, we've had a few cycles now and technology's become more mature. And actually now we see teams that are built around technology rather than technology being overlaid on existing teams. And what that's meant is that there are different types of people that make up a procurement function. 
whether that be you know the role of a business analyst as an example is a really good a good indicator that actually they're probably using technology in a different way to how technology was being used within procurement kind of five or six years ago um i think technology's creating capacity and capabilities that is effectively driving procurement's value proposition further forwards um and we can talk about examples, you know, through COVID and we can talk about, you know, examples through some of the supply chain disruption that we've seen over the last kind of couple of years. And technology is a massive enabler for procurement. I think procurement are now getting to the point where they have that core kind of capability. And actually, it's much easier to move much faster now because we're all kind of more digitally native and we're all kind of more susceptible to the use of technology. You see blockchain pay, playing a big part in the future of procurement. Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I think um, blockchain is quite a kind of big topic of conversation. I think you can, blockchain's like an onion, really. There are lots of different layers to it. So there'll be lots of different um, use cases for blockchain. There'll be lots of different kind of layers to um, the blockchain application and how it's used within an organization. And also, it won't just necessarily be about how blockchain is going to be used within procurement. It will be how blockchain is used within an organization. And therefore, the role that procurement has to play within that organization, how they then have to interact with that blockchain. So clearly, like from a smart contracts perspective, if we think about like the layer one within a blockchain, Obviously, you can very easily get to the point where you can say, well, I could see how smart contracts could be used within a business. And therefore, I can see how procurement are going to play its part in that. But actually, um, blockchain will be kind of fundamental, I imagine, um, you know, over the next kind of 10 to 15 years. We'll, we'll see um, even more of the, 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 the kind of exponential rate at which technology has been adopted by organisations. We'll see blockchain move very quickly up that curve um, and therefore we'll see uh, procurement and, and other functions having to adapt quite quickly to, to the use of blockchain. Thanks for that. We could go a lot deeper on that one, I think. Yeah, no, no. And I think you and I, we've had a couple of conversations like this and we, and it's, it's easy to get into, you know, um, some some really interesting debates about what the role of procurement is going to look like in kind of 10 years and, and actually how businesses are going to operate in kind of, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 years. It's, it is really interesting. Mm. I think it's probably one of the reasons why um, I've been very keen to kind of, um, try and experience procurement in different ways. So sitting in procurement across different industries, but also sitting within procurement across different sizes of organisations to kind of see and feel how procurement is um, from an end-to-end -end perspective to really try and gauge, well, what does this mean? Where where might we end up and, and how might procurement play a different role in different types of organisations as things like blockchain mature? Okay, last question. If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be and why? Um, if I could give some advice to myself, it would probably be like something I tell myself quite often is, um, and look, it's, it's, this, is, this is nothing new, right? I'm not being original here, but it's just very simply like two ears and one mouth. Like we have two ears for a reason. Um, and actually, I think I've spent um, probably you know, a, a, a long time spending time talking where actually it would have been far more valuable just to listen. 
you, you've only got to go as far as building the example that if you're sat in a room with five people and actually you're the last person to talk, you've got the benefit of those first four people um, that, that, that you can actually use to either kind of challenge your thinking um, or kind of um, back up the, the idea or the notion that you, that you had to begin with. So that would be my one, my, my, my one piece of advice would be to listen more and to talk less. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And uh, I look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, James. Take care. Take care.